Hello, and welcome to Local Legacies, the show where we go behind the scenes with enterprising individuals who are striving for the best in their business, family, community, and themselves. I'm your host, Tim Lanza, and without further ado, here's this week's guest. All righty. Hello, everyone. We've got Dan Piper in the studio today of Piper Electrical, uh, actually our first official return guest. Um, he was nice enough to grace us with his presence once. We had some technical difficulties, technical issues with the uh, cables and the mics. So he's been nice enough to come back and have another conversation with me, which I'm very excited about. Well, thank you, Tim. Nice to be here. Yeah. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's uh, kind of a rainy day today, but uh, doesn't dampen anybody's spirits. Yeah, ask Jeremy. I mentioned this before. It always rains when we do when we record. For some reason, on the days we record, it's always raining. But it's a good day to be inside. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, so why don't we start out, you know, tell me a little bit. I remember w when we I first broached this idea to you about talking about your company, and you said, no, 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 it's not my company. It's my grandfather's company. So why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Okay. Um, in the uh, My grandfather was an electrician, and in the uh, early to mid-1920s, he and a partner uh, formed a company and were electricians in the, in the Lemister area. Um, Harry Harvey and William Piper uh, had a business and it grew and shrunk and grew and shrunk many years until they uh, they were both uh, elderly and uh, in 1973 I was uh, lucky enough to be able to work for my grandfather and I helped him and I ended up taking the business over. Um, it uh, I had gotten out of the service and needed a job, to be honest with you. I was married and had two children and uh, took uh, took the business. And it's been mine since uh, the mid-70s to be very lucky enough to have made it into a fairly successful business and made a lot of friends and a lot of good acquaintances for a lot of years. Yeah. Now, when you were coming out of the service, you know, you said like you're just looking for a job, but did you see this opportunity there? Did you imagine where this would go? Well, I, I didn't really. I didn't really. I had uh, finished high school, gone a couple of years to college, and found out that I never really learned how to study in high school, much to my chagrin, um, and got drafted. That was in the time of the Vietnam era. I got drafted and uh, ended up in the Coast Guard, did four years in the Coast Guard. But when I got out, um, found a job available from my grandfather who had been instrumental in my life since I was a very young boy and uh, thought it would be kind of exciting. It turned out that it was. Yeah. What was your rela relationship like with your grandfather? Um, my grandfather, because my dad was, he worked. He had to put food on the table for our family and uh, I had the luxury of being able to grow up with my grandfather at... Uh, at the age of six, he gave me an ax, and we went and cut down trees and for firewood and different things. Uh, my mom didn't like that so much. She was a little paranoid that I would lose a leg someplace along the way, but uh, that didn't happen. When I was eight years old, he uh, handed me the keys to his brand new pickup truck and asked me to, he said, go get the cows. Well, he had a couple of cows, and we'd stake them out in the morning, and let him eat grass in the pasture down below our house. And uh, 
at the end of the day, he would, uh, he would go down and hook one to each side of a tailgate of his truck and idle the truck up in first gear and bring the cows back to the barn. And when I was eight years old, he said, go get the cows. Gave me the keys to his truck, and uh, if he thought my mother was excited when he gave me an ax at six, uh, triple that, <laughs> triple that in those days. But uh, nothing happened, and the uh, cows lived, and so did I, so I guess it was all good. I guess it was all good. Now, how do you think those type of experiences affected you, you know, throughout the rest of your life? Well, it became, it, I, I became very attached to my grandfather. He uh, taught me a lot of things. He taught me how to have garden. He taught me how to take care of animals um, that, that I probably wouldn't have had that kind of experience without him. So uh, when it became uh, an opportunity to uh, work for him and then finally take over his company, I felt like uh, that, was, that, was, that was a payback of sorts. And uh, my whole life's work is to pretty much make my grandfather proud of me. It sounds to me like he kind of gave you an opportunity at an early age to, or continued to give you opportunities to step up to the plate and kind of be a man yourself or, you know, take action and create something. And then you, it's just interesting to see the way that followed through all the way with his business. I, I think you're right. And of course, at the time when I was six and eight and 10, 12 years old, I didn't see that, but I think you're absolutely right. And uh, it, it, it shaped a good part of uh, who I am, the, the good parts anyway. That's, that's a good thing. Now, what was your working relationship like with him? Because it's one thing when you're a little kid, you know, it's your grandfather, everything's fun, but then you know, then it's time to, for business. Well, when, when I ended up working for him, um, he was elderly. He was in his 80s and, quite honestly, ready to, ready to hang it up. So uh, I took over the book work and did, did the work. Um, I had an uncle, his son, who worked with me and taught me a great deal about the electrical business about uh, how to do the work and how things worked, and I worked with him. And uh, I, I think the relationship with my grandfather taught me a lot of thing about a good, good work ethic, and uh, stick to things and and make them, bring them to fruition. Yeah, it's funny, you know. I look at my you're around my dad's age, and I look at that generation compared to mine, and it's like. You know, they don't make them like that anymore. And then you go back another generation, it's like they really don't make them like that anymore. That was, uh, they were, they were hardworking people, uh, everybody. I'd like to think that some of that uh, has, has rubbed off on me. Sometimes not always to the, the best result, but uh, I've, I've been a hard worker throughout my whole career. And uh, it's paid off. It's paid off. Things are, things are good at this point. As a young man with a family taking over, uh, how did things look, or what what was scaling up like? Just so, you know, for the business itself, as far as growing it, and you know, you started obviously probably taking on more clients, taking on bigger projects. Well, for yeah, for many years uh, we had pretty much two industrial accounts and did a few uh, residential jobs here and there. My passion became to uh, to work for factories, for work industrial accounts. I liked uh, larger power, bigger projects, and that sort of thing, and that's what we focused on in, uh, 
1973, I think we had two accounts, two industrial accounts. And uh, over the years, we built that up to several hundred good, solid, uh, great relationships with many of our accounts and uh, a, good, a good, place to, uh, good place to have ended up. So it's pretty massive growth over that time period. Uh, it, it, it was slow at first, and it worked out, uh, worked out very well. There's something I think really special and drives me as far as like seeing that vision of here's the things I want to do or here's what I like most about my work and then being able to control it and push further in that direction. So like you're picking up these industrial accounts, growing the business in that way. I think that's really rewarding. Certainly is. Um, uh, it, it's every, every time something good happens, it's a win. It's like whatever, any kind of a competition and I guess I look at some things like that. Uh, anytime you can win, it's a, it's a plus. It's a, it's a feather in your cap. It's a pat on the back. Definitely. So maybe a good time to explain kind of exactly what you guys do at Piper Electrical. What's, I know there's a couple different factions of the business. Sure. We've got, we've got a couple of different divisions. But basically, we're an electrical contractor, and we do uh, some mostly service work to repair and assist and install electrical equipment for um, industrial accounts, whether it's a brand new factory that goes up and start from scratch and build the whole place electrically, or whether it's uh, adding a machine here or there when our customers put new machinery in. Uh, we do have a residential division that takes care of, we do a lot of work for some condos and some individual houses. Um, and we do some project work. We do some big, bigger installations at times. Um, we're not a big company, so we have to meter what we do with the size that we are to be able to maintain proper service for the rest of our customers. Employee-wise, how big are you guys? Well, we've got, we've got about 20 people, not very big at all. Um, however, four years ago, uh, I was, my company was acquired by a larger company um, Elm Electrical Company in Westfield, Mass, purchased my company, and uh, they're they're a much larger company than us, but they've allowed us to become a satellite operation of theirs, and maintain our relationships and our work ethic in this area. Uh, Lemonster in a thirty or forty mile radius from Lemonster, uh, we're at twenty people. We've got. We've got a fully staffed office and a couple of estimators and uh, some electricians, journeymen and, uh, and apprentice electricians. Well, you know, you're saying we're not that big, we're small, 20 guys or so. I mean, that's, that's a lot of people to have working under you. What is that like being the point man? Sometimes, sometimes on Thursday mornings, it's a big company when you have to come up with a paycheck for everybody. But uh, it, it's, it became comfortable to to work with that amount of people. And uh, because of those people, uh, it's, it's been a, it's a wonderful experience. I've always had great people. A lot of those people who have been with me have been with me 10 and 20, in some cases, 30 years. Um, so we, I kind of believe that I've treated people right and that uh, the stuff flows downhill, and they treat my customers right. They get treated right, and uh, it, it's it's a good thing. Everybody everybody ends up uh, 
everybody ends up a plus at the end of the day. I mean, that's pretty incredible that you've had people working for you for that long, just in any job is, you know, obviously that's their career, just sticking with you. So there's a reason for that. Well, I, I definitely think so. And uh, part of it is I, I, I like to treat people who work for me and people who we work for, uh, treat them honestly and treat them fairly. And um, if everybody knows that they're going to get the job done right, whether they're performing the job or whether they're getting the job done for them. And I think that uh, I, I think they're very happy that uh, that relationship exists and they can trust our company to to take care of them and and, and make thing make the end of the day come out correctly. Definitely, definitely. Now, um, when did becoming acquired or getting bought or, you know, when did that kind of come on your radar? Was that an idea of yours? Were you approached? No, I was approached. Um, I have some friends who who knew some people who were looking to acquire uh, a business in this area who does what we do to expand their presence. They're from the company that bought us is from Western Mass. I'd spoken to them several years before, and then uh, it the conversation kind of went stagnant. And uh, in 2016 and 17, um, we talked again and decided that it would be a good uh, merger slash acquisition. And uh, we came to a deal, and uh, it's, it's, been, it's been wonderful. It's been terrific. They're, they're the same as us, but 10 times larger. Really? No, that's awesome because that's, I think, a huge fear if, you know, if you're being acquired. You know, you've got your company. You've got your culture. This is quite literally something you've built, and now they're somewhat in control. So have they let you kind of keep going the way you've been going? Absolutely. They, um, the, the relationship that we have with them, uh, I don't think anybody was assured at the beginning that things were going to work out the way that they have. We've, uh, we've become good friends, both of our companies, both of the owners, both of everybody who's in charge, as well as as well as have a great working relationship. Uh, they've used our people on certain projects, and we use their people when we need additional personnel. Uh, it's been it's been a really really good relationship, and the people are uh, very similar to us as far as their their work ethic, as far as their objectives. It's uh, I, I couldn't have asked I couldn't have asked for a better ending to this story yeah and with that being said i mean the story's not really over what's your current <laughs> no. role i know it's no. still pretty uh, active well i had from 2017 until now four years later i had a three-year contract um it's long gone and they still seem to like me uh coming in and uh adding whatever it is that i add any any bit of leadership um and I still enjoy doing it. Uh, it's been a passion of mine since the beginning. I enjoy being there, and I, I enjoy working with my guys. Um, it's becoming less and less as I get older. Uh, I, I don't I don't have to go out and pull wires anymore or do anything like that. But it's uh, it's still it's still part of my life to be involved with this business. Yeah, and sp speaking of that, you know, I find w in my own case and in many others, every smaller business is 
a family business, whether it, you know whether they're working for you or not. So, how are your? I know you've got some children. Are they involved with the business? They're not. I have three daughters, and they all have their own lives. Um, one is lives on the West Coast. One lives in uh, in Virginia, and one lives close here. She lives in Worcester. Um, they are not terribly involved. However, the uh, daughter who lives in Worcester is uh, about to be married to an electrician who happens to work for me and uh, manages manages the business as my assistant manager. Uh, that didn't it didn't be planned to be that way, but it's here it is, and it's a, it's a good thing. It's, that's it's awesome. Very nice. Yeah, I have spoken to a lot of guys that are, you know, my dad's age or your age and, you know, have had conversations where they've expressed if they, you know, don't have sons necessarily, that's something that they look at as wanting to hand the business over or be able to do that. Obviously, you've passed yours on um, to a larger company, but that shares kind of a similar vision to you. So how do you... I'm trying to think of how to word this, but basically, do you are you happy with that, or would you see it either way? Well, uh, of course, I'm very happy with that. Um, who knows that if uh, fate changed it and I had sons, things might be different. I don't know. I had three beautiful daughters, and uh, they've gone their way, and my family, uh, part of my family is my business, my relationships and my people who work for me, my employees. And part of the family now is the larger company who's who's taken us over. And it's uh, it, it's it's more than it's more than just nickels and dimes at the end of the day. It's uh, it's a relationship with everybody. I think that is what keeps everything together. That's why that's why you've got someone who's worked for you for 30 years, you know, because it's not just about money. It's not just about um the work itself, there's a lot more to it. I've often thought that if you do a good job, the money will happen. And and it pretty much did. Not all by itself, but th that's what happens. I think uh, success success isn't about uh, counting, counting dollars. Now, on the subject of family, um, you know, you said your dad was working all the time. You spent a lot of time with your grandfather. Was your dad involved with his business at all? My my dad, I think, worked for my grandfather when he was in high school, um, went off to World War II and came back. And uh, my dad's passion was he was a mechanic. Uh, he ended up uh, the mechanic for the Lumberton Fire Department and was there for uh, 35 years and uh, was pretty much uh, famous in his own right. He, uh, he, was, he was a good guy. He was quite a guy. Um, but he never really worked. He wasn't part of the business that, that I took over, and uh, I, I didn't have that with him. But clearly, you know, you come from obviously a long line of hardworking men, and it shows with you and what you've built. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I guess that's true. Never really... My, my rearview mirrors aren't tuned up to look at that. That's a good thing. It's good to be looking <laughs> forward. Um, now, with where do you see the business going m moving into the future? Well, the company that took us over uh, would like to be more project-based and want to do—they want to expand. They want to expand their presence in this community and uh, also move probably more towards the Boston area. So I see, I see some growth possibilities— 
and probabilities for this division of their company. Um, they have a, another division in Marlboro, and uh, I think at some point in time we'll work with those people and try to try to uh, expand the capabilities in that area. Now, on the more technical side of things, as far as the future goes with electricity, where do you see things going? Obviously, solar and alternative forms of energy are extremely popular right now. Well, they are. Um, but electricity, by the time it gets to the consumer, is still electricity. And I think people are going to need power to run machinery to manufacture the goods that are being sold to anybody in the world. So I, I don't think that where the electricity comes from is going to make a difference in that. However, making, making electricity, whether it's solar or whether it's windmills or any other, any other form of generation, uh, all needs to be wired. So we're involved a little bit in some of those facilities that, uh, that manufacture electricity, um, as we were with generation steam or gas power generators uh, in the past. Right. It's, um, it's as those different forms of energy are kind of changing or even like nuclear or whatever, the constant is the electricity. Correct. The, the, the end result is electric power to run machinery to perform tasks. Right. And now output wise, like I know in this uh, area, longitude, latitude, basically, if you've got solar panels on your house, it's good for like some of the year, you can't really get your, you know, full energy. So I'm assuming on the on the scale of the places you're working the machinery, you you couldn't have solar powering that type of equipment. Well, solar, solar power is a good assist, uh, as is wind. But I think uh, my own opinion is it's going to be a long time before any other form of electricity takes over conventional generation methods, which would be uh, steam powered by uh, combustion engines or uh, uh, nuclear. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and, and storage is a uh, factor as well, right? Storage is. Uh, lately, there's been a lot of... Uh, um, noise about solar farms, and they'll they'll charge batteries during the day so that uh, in order to uh, help when the solar is not being active, batteries can provide uh, backfeed into the system to to give power uh, as it's needed to either uh, shave peaks or provide electricity. Okay, yeah, like I know, obviously in Lancaster they just built that whole solar farm and then uh, coincidentally also in Lancaster one of the vendors that I deal with a junkyard nationwide auto recycling they're putting uh, solar all over their yard with the cars basically they're covering it because it's just open space to them so you're seeing these pop up more and more and it's being utilized more and more absolutely absolutely there's uh, there, there are a lot of there are a lot of ways that uh, you can utilize space that's not uh, not used now to be uh, certainly productive. I'm familiar with that particular project, and uh, it's it's pretty uh, it, it's pretty good project. Yeah. Um, now, uh, there's two different sides to this. On you know, I know you've got your personal side and the business side. We'll start with the business side. 
what how have you utilized your business or how has it been involved with the community and just kind of the surrounding area well we've always um when my girls are growing up they played uh, all three of them played last year league softball at different times in their lives and i got a, a little bit involved with that so we've always sponsored locally the Lassie league things we've always sponsored the high schools um several high schools around we've always done a lot of different school sports uh, and um, the um, the starburst which uh which is a middle of july celebration that the city has done we've been instrumental many years in the past and now to uh, sponsor some of the things that go along with that um, it's important i think to give back to the community because they've given to us and uh like to think that in some small ways we've tried to help that yeah now is there a reason i guess starburst in particular i know you've been very heavily involved with why is that important to you um, basically, uh, well, it's the city. However, some people who ran it were instrumental in uh, getting us to be involved in it, and uh, we went along. It was a good cause, so uh, we have a personal interest in the people running it. I think that's, uh, th that's, that's a good way to focus some, focus some contributions. Yeah, I, it really does kind of give you the leverage having your own business and being able to contribute you know, every, everyone has their cause or everyone has things that are important to them and being able to focus on those things. And with that being said, I know that you're heavily involved with the Veterans Center. Can you tell me a little bit about well, that? I can. I can. Uh, I got involved a few years ago um, through a, a high school classmate uh, who, who has started a group um, of to Montechus Veterans Opportunity Council in Gardner, and it's uh, it's to assist veterans who have trouble uh, assimilating back into society for whatever reasons they have, whether it's a bad bad set of circumstances or maybe there's some uh, uh, substance abuse problems or relationship abuse problems, and they need to get back into society. And this group um, uh, has a lot of resources to. Uh, do counseling and also housing to help uh, a lot of people getting out veterans getting out of the service or have been out of the service for a while to get back into society in a productive level and uh, I've gotten involved in the last couple of years and uh, it's become it's become a passion I'm, I'm very happy to uh, in whatever small way that I can provide some kind of uh, direction or guidance or help in any way to uh, to this group now what is your role like with them as far as what you're doing actively well I, i'm on the board of directors and in fact uh, we, we just recently hired a new director um, our former director had done a wonderful job and he had a uh, had an opportunity to, uh, to to move forward in his career which couldn't be turned down, so he did it. And we've just recently hired a new director who I'm sure will take, uh, take us to a new level. There's uh, several houses in the Gardner area that uh, house um, veterans, and we're working on a project in Winchenden that will house uh, several tens more. I think there's 54 units that they're 
will be allowed to uh, allowed to utilize. We're looking at some different areas, but there's a lot of other aspects. Uh, counseling. There's some counselors on staff, and people uh, people look. It's it's the more I learn about this place, um, the more involved I want to become. Now, obviously, you've got a connection, having been in the service. How? What sparked you to get involved with this particular program? Well, this this person that got me involved was a classmate, and uh, she had an experience when uh, her husband got out of the service. He was troubled, and he, in fact, took his own life a few years later. It's become her objective in life to help people in his position to not have that end. And uh, we talked about it a little bit, and she got me involved, and uh, the hook was set. I'm involved. It's That's important awesome. to me. I'm sure a lot of people, including myself, are very glad that you are involved. Thank you. How have you seen things change from you know your time in the service and some of the guys getting out at that time and the ways that they were affected versus now? Obviously, it's, um, it's probably some different issues, but obviously some similar issues as well. I, I think the issues have been similar for veterans getting out of any, any area where there's a lot of stress. Um, when I was in, I was very lucky. I was in the United States Coast Guard. Um, it was the Vietnam era, but I had no, no issues that caused any kind of PTSD for me. But a lot of the friends that I had in high school, a lot of people that I've grown to know since, have uh, certainly got issues. And I think World War II, when I saw my dad's friends, a lot of them, you'd always hear stories, they would never talk about the war. And I think the reason was that because they, they buried it inside them. And I see things from my era, the Vietnam era, and I see things now with, I'll call them kids, but they're, no, they're 30 and 40 years old and 50 years old, coming from the wars that this country's been in and not being treated in, in a productive way when they get out of the service. Um, th there's a lot of care that's needed to help a lot of these men and women to, to get back into society, whether counseling or any kind of help to, uh, to let them, uh, I guess, open their wounds and, and let them heal. Yeah, and I think that, you know, from what I've seen, obviously some people kind of come back and assimilate very well, and obviously others struggle. But if someone wanted to get involved or help, what would that look like or how would they be able to do that? I think I think there are all kinds of help availabilities. I think the uh, Veterans Center in Lemonster has uh, plenty of things that could be anybody who would want to get involved with could uh, could volunteer for different things. All of these outfits, uh, the one I'm involved with included, is always looking for fundraising opportunities and different things. To uh, nobody's putting money in their pocket. It's it's trying to help help people who need the help. So I believe uh, if, you find, if you find a group and can assimilate to it a little bit, I think there's plenty of opportunities available to, to assist. Now, if someone was struggling themselves, would you say to follow the same thing? Like, where, I guess, where would they reach out to? Absolutely. Th this, well, the, again, the group that I'm involved with certainly has uh, a call center 
They have places that you can go, and if you need assistance and help, um, call, and they'll provide it. They will, they will help you. And they're not the only ones. There are other people around. But the one that I'm involved with, the MVOC, I'm, I'm very familiar that they'll, if you reach out to them, you'll be, you'll be assisted. And we were talking a little bit before this, you know, about your work with them and how, you know, you've worked hard your entire life and now you're kind of able to take some time and work on these other projects and give back. What is that like for you? Uh, makes me feel good when I when I do anything that's uh, in my own mind the least bit productive. Uh, it, it's a it's a way to pat myself on the back, I guess, and I know that something good is going to come from it. So uh, I guess that's the that's the best feeling a person can have. It's a good combination of obviously helping others, but then making yourself feel good as well. Just part of life. Definitely, it, it is. is. It is. I think that once you, you know, you've, you've grown this business, you've done very well, you've helped the people that work for you, you've helped your family immensely. Now you're kind of spreading out and growing that uh, circle of people you're able to help. So I think that's, you know, I commend you for that. Thank you. Now, with the success that you've had in your business and your life, what do you attribute that to? That, that's a tough question. I guess I've uh, got a pretty good work ethic. I'm uh, I, I, not, uh, not terribly industrious these days, but uh, in the past I've, uh, I, I was a worker, and I worked hard to, to be successful, and successful not, not, just, not just financially, but to, uh, to, to do a good job and to have... Uh, to have my grandfather looking down, looking down from heaven where I'm sure he is and uh, give me a pat on the back someday. I think he definitely is. With that being said, what are the things now that are most important to you and how has that changed, I guess, throughout your life, things that were important when you were younger and now looking back on everything? Well, my, my three girls, and their families. I've got granddaughters, and now even a great-granddaughter. Um, I, I, I want to see them all successful. I want to see them all uh, happy. I believe they are. I want to see them successful. I believe they are. And I want to see them uh, continue uh, continue with a smile on their faces. So that, that's, a big, that's a big factor, I guess. Um, got involved with my church. A couple of years ago, again, that I've, church I belonged to since the early 50s, where my mom was a Sunday school teacher, but uh, gotten reinvolved and uh, doing some things on the uh, uh, on the board of trustees to uh, make the church go forward. Churches these days are not a real popular item. A lot of people, a lot of people have walked away or don't go to church much anymore, and. Uh, Churches, New England Protestant churches are uh, on the endangered species list. So, uh, trying to do what I can to help my church uh, survive. Why, I guess, but I mean, besides the obvious, but why is it important to you? Well, I, I, I think it's important. It's important to me because I get some spiritual guidance from the church. I think it's a good thing to reinforce beliefs. Uh, I'm a Christian. I, I think it's very important to. Uh, to, to 
learn and relearn about your religion. And I think it's uh, I think it's important to the community to have a good faith-based um, places to go, not just any one church, but any church who will who will preach right and wrong to preach good values, whatever differences in different churches are. I think it's important to have uh, those basic values uh, get stronger. Uh, I've seen in my lifetime things uh, things eroding in in that sort of thing, and I I don't I don't uh, I don't think it's healthy for this country to to not have a good faith based um, source. I think a higher power is important. Well, that, that's what I believe. Yeah, I mean, that, uh, everybody's entitled to their own, but uh, I know what I believe, and I wouldn't try to push it on anybody. But I think it's important to have have somebody and have everybody look look up to uh, to a uh, right a higher power. And I think it gives you an important perspective of your place in the world. A lot of people nowadays, I think, have an overinflated sense of their place, and if they kind of take a step back and look. Seven billion people on the planet. We're just one one of those seven billion people. So I think there's I think there's more important things out there. I, I also think it's interesting. Um, you know, like you said, a lot of people have walked away from their religion and stuff. But of all the things to walk away from, I mean, there's a reason that these ideas or texts and n not any one particular, but all of them in general have existed for thousands of years and then passed on and passed on and passed on. Like there's. There's something to that. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I wouldn't begin to try to preach anything, but uh, but I do believe that. Now, I not to bring up a totally different subject, but it just popped into my mind. My brother and I were talking about this before our conversation. And he said, "I, I got to ask you, you know, tell me a little bit some things you do for yourself. Let's talk a little bit about your cars." <laughs> oh, I uh, well. Growing up in the uh, in the 1950s, um, seems that a lot of my friends and myself um, were interested in cars. Um, I've always I've always been. My father was a mechanic. I've always been mechanically inclined, and I've uh, my hobby is cars. I like to watch auto racing. I've become involved as a fan in uh, auto racing, and I like. Uh, I like cars, um, particularly hot rods. I like old cars, uh, souped-up cars, uh, things that can go fast but but look good in particular style. They're kind of going out of style a little bit. The new the new generation really uh, they'd rather uh, soup up their Audi, and uh, that's not what I like. I like uh, 1932 Fords or Different things, old Corvettes, different things like that. And I've I've had the uh, had the opportunity to uh, collect a couple. I've got a couple of cars, and uh, they're fun. They're fun to drive around. I call them ice cream cars. Friday night, you go buy an ice cream, and uh, pretty much that's what you do. It's perfect going out for a cruise. <clears throat> yes. I, uh, I, as you know, I've you know got a. I wouldn't call it a hot rod, but I've got my own older car that I've been putting together and working on. And there's just an 
kind of indescribable feeling when you're working on a car yourself or you put all this effort into building it, you know, doing what you want to it, getting it running, and then you just get in it and drive it. And it's like everything in the world just disappears. It's just you going down the road. Absolutely. Um, some of the cars that I have, I haven't built from scratch. I hate to say I'd like to have had the time, but uh, I've bought them pretty much the way they are or done a few modifications to them. But they're, they're all fun. They're all a little different. And uh, they all kind of have a personality of their own, and uh, and they're different. They're different. So it's it's a good, it's a fun hobby, and and the people that you meet are are good people too. The, that type of person, uh, car hobby people, is full of good people. Most definitely. Now, if you had to pick just one <laughs> out of your collection, oh boy, which one? Hmm. Well, presently, there are four cars in my collection, ranging from 1923 to 1967. Tough question. Tough question. For, uh, for any given day of the week, I think I like any given car. But uh, the, the, the 1967 is uh, being put back together. Recently, uh, took it apart and had some things rebuilt. And uh, I guess that's my that's my prime concern right now that wants to be that wants to be the next project that's driven around and showed off i guess the so the modern one the 67 a, a little more modern yeah the other three are older they're uh in the 20s and 30s but uh and they've all got chrome this and chrome that and they're you know to the that's the look to, to a person to a person who is not a car person it's like oh that's cute but uh to a to a car person, uh, they're pretty they're pretty nice. Well, they're all they're all head turner cars. They drive by and it doesn't look like anything else that's on the road right now. Not at they all. They make you turn and look. Absolutely, sure. absolutely. So, so, they're fun. Yeah, de most definitely. Um, I, you know, I think we've kind of hit on all the points that I wanted to talk about. You know, once again, I really appreciate you coming out here and taking the time to speak with me. Thank you. You've... Thank you. I, uh, I'm. I'm uh, like I said before, I'm concerned to see how this is going to turn out. Uh, I've heard myself speak, and uh, I'm not impressed. So I can't wait to hear how this sounds. Uh, that f the first one was good, and I think this is even better. <laughs> um, you know, you're a wealth of knowledge for me. I think you get a lot of valuable lessons that I personally, selfishly, find extremely helpful and interesting, and I think a lot of other people will too. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. So thank you, Danny. I appreciate you coming down here. Anytime. My pleasure. My Maybe pleasure. we'll Thank have you, you back for a third time. Oh, boy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for tuning in with us. We do this to share the stories of some of the incredible individuals in your community. All we ask in return is if you found value from this episode, please share it with someone else who may also gain value from the show. Please feel free to rate or review the show. Your feedback helps us give you more of what you want. Until next time, I'm Tim Lanza, and this was another Local Legacy.